0: Hey guys, welcome to Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I'm your host Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host Nick Sarmiento. And today we're actually going to be doing things a little differently. Uh, we're going to introduce a new segment to our podcast titled "What are we going to title it?" Uh, "What we've been watching," no, I guess.
1: I guess what we've been doing. I
0: don't. Yeah. I don't
1: really know. I just. Uh, I guess we're just basically just going to talk about. You know, stuff we've been watching during the week, film-related, or just, I don't know. You you know, just something to spice it up a little bit, instead of just a a simple review every time.
0: Yeah, so um, movies that we've seen this last week, or uh, television shows. Uh, Because we realized that we see a lot of movies, besides just the ones that came into theaters. So um, we're going to be introducing that segment this week. And followed by that, um, we're going to have... Uh, two reviews actually one on dark phoenix x-men dark phoenix which is the newest and last entry into the fox x-men franchise and then uh we're gonna be talking about men in black international is that what it's called men in black international yeah Nah, i barely even remember the title <laughs> um and yeah that's it so just let us know how you like uh the segment so here we are with what we've been watching So, um, this week I actually watched like a good amount of movies, both, um, newer and older. I rewatched the big short, actually. Um, I went on a little like Adam McKay kick Mm -hmm. and I forgot how good this movie was, man.
1: Like it's good, but it's just, I mean, yeah, it's a good movie, but you just really have to pay attention.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, Absolutely. And I think it's definitely a movie that you have to watch multiple times because of all the uh, business language, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information packed into this movie, and I just feel like it's impossible to just pick it all up for sitting, especially when they talk about um, CDOs, and they get so in-depth with the CDOs. Um, At least the first time I watched it, I know that I didn't get all of the information. However, it's still incredibly enjoyable on the first time watching it. And I think Adam McKay and uh, the writers did an excellent job of dumbing down a very complex subject.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why they have the celebrities like dumb it down for you in those little segments of the movie. Yeah, I think like that's actually really smart to do. For a movie I, like actually,
0: that. I actually forgot about those when I was re it. So I think like Margot Robbie is the first one who comes up. And when she came up, I was like, oh, that's right. This movie does that. Uh, I, I, don't, I thought I, I still think the movie holds up really well, honestly. Yeah, I mean, man, like looking
1: at the movies Adam McKay has made. I really like Adam McKay as a director now that I think about it. He made a lot of comedies, though, but he's trying to get more serious.
0: Yeah, I would say there's only one movie of his that I don't like so far, which I'll get to later. But his disc- his filmography is pretty solid, honestly. And I think The Big Short, I think he's done with comedies or, or like moronic comedies. Yeah. Because uh, The Big Short is still really funny. But um, I think The Big Short is a step in the right direction for him, at least like drama-wise. And... Um, I forgot how stacked the cast for uh, The Big Short was.
1: What is it? Steve Carell, Ryan Steve, Gosling. Yeah,
0: Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, uh, Brad Pitt, Christian Bale, Marissa Tomei. Um, and then you have, like, obviously you have, like, the guest appearances, Selena Gomez, um, Margot Robbie, uh, Anthony Bourdain, I think, is in it. Is he? I think he is, right? Yeah, yeah okay but yeah i mean it's it's a pretty stacked cast honestly and i think honestly it's probably the best steve carell performance really yeah like if i had to to pin steve carell's best performance i'd probably put it at the big short hmm okay Interesting, but, yeah. I mean, I, I still think it, it, it holds up really well. Um, if you if our listeners ever like haven't seen it yet, honestly, I would really, really, really recommend it. Um, and I want to talk about the next Adam McKay film I saw this week, which I saw literally like right after the big short. Um, I saw Vice and I was honestly really, really, really disappointed.
1: Mm-hmm. I've like, seen it also, I, I was disappointed. But I wasn't... Okay, now, I'm not going to say... I was disappointed because I thought the movie was going to be something that it wasn't. I felt like the marketing for the movie wasn't very good in telling what the movie was supposed to be.
0: Really, I thought it was pretty straightforward. For those of you who don't know, uh, Vice is a movie that came out last year, um, directed by Adam McKay, starring Christian Bale, Steve Carell, and Sam Rockwell, and Amy Adams, Mm -hmm. Um, basically um, about the life or the political life of um Vice President Dick Cheney and basically how he became the most powerful man in the United States honestly Yeah uh, some could even argue he was more powerful than George W Bush at the time That's um, definitely what the movie's
1: trying to tell you that like he was really the president and George Bush was just like a
0: puppet Yeah I, I mean I definitely got that vibe at least from the movie now um in real life I don't know enough about this subject <laughs> to like speak on it.
1: Yeah, I mean at we least, weren't really <laughs>
0: old enough. At, at least in the movie I definitely got the vibe that they were portraying Dick Cheney as I get I don't want to say the true leader of America because he definitely wasn't, but at least the one pulling all the strings from yeah. like behind the curtain. Like if George mm-hmm. W Bush was was um like the face and like the body, um, or the heart, maybe. I guess Dick Cheney was the brains behind everything. Um, yeah. You know, for better or worse, from the movie, definitely for the worse. But I feel like the movie tried too hard to be like a, a big short replica. And what I mean by that is like the rapid editing. Um, the movie was very energetic. There were a lot of. Like, in the big short, there's a lot of, like, I don't know how best to say it, but there there's a lot of, like, real-life footage, like, mm-hmm. spliced into the editing very quickly that Vice does, but I feel like it doesn't really work that well in Vice. Um, yeah. And I, I also feel like Vice didn't really know whether to humanize Dick Cheney or to just make him seem like this, like, the monstrosity the of a person. Yeah. So, like, it kind of loses its its sight on that. Where there's some moments in the movie where you're like, damn, like, maybe Dick Cheney really wasn't that bad of a guy. And then, like, five seconds later, you're like, oh, no, wait, yeah, this guy's an asshole. Yeah. But so I feel like the movie didn't really know, like, whether to continue humanizing him or not. But, I mean, other, like... It's just frustrating because there's honestly a really good movie in there somewhere. I was disappointed that Sam Rockwell was barely in it after being Mm -hmm. nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor. Like, Steve Carell was in it way more than Sam Rockwell was.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that also shows what a weak, like, Oscar year last year was just because, man, looking at some of the movies that are thrown in there, like, for nominations and and things like that, it's just there's a lot like there's not a lot of good movies. like some of the movies in there are just bad like they're bad movies
0: i mean so, you had this you had behemoth rhapsody you had um oh my god green book which one <laughs> i wouldn't call green book a bad movie though i mean so not- i
1: think knowing the context of the movie it makes it a bad movie if that even makes sense. Like, knowing no, no, the no, yeah, historical yeah, yeah. context, it makes it a bad movie.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Um, I also saw uh, The Ides of March, which is a movie that came out in 2011 with George Clooney and Ryan Gosling. I don't know if you've heard about it.
1: Oh, you saw that, really?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. It just kind of like, I don't know. It came up one day, and I was like, yeah, whatever. I like Ryan Gosling. Honestly, he's mm-hmm. probably my favorite actor right now. So I was like, yeah, whatever. And I was i enjoyed the f- i've seen it no i haven't first of all okay well um for those of you who don't know the ides of march is a 2011 political drama where george clooney is basically a uh, governor running for president and ryan gosling and philip seymour hoffman are his uh political campaign managers and it's basically just them like, I don't want to say, like, fighting for power because it's really not what it is. But, um, ah, man, how do I explain it? Have you seen House of Cards? No.
1: <laughs> okay. But well, it's the like writers, House of Cards, basically.
0: Well, the writers for House of Cards, at least one of them, like, made this movie. So just think of House of Cards, but not so cutthroat. Okay. Um, And it was good, at least the first half. And then the second half of the movie um, starts to, like, get into this abortion subplot, which is not dumb, but not really, like, the direction I wanted to see this movie in. And then mm-hmm. from that abortion subplot comes a lot of, like, the political, like, debauchery. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, I just wish that the abortion subplot was just completely, like, removed from the movie because honestly it just wasn't that interesting. And it added, like, a lot of, like, nonsense drama to it, I thought. But other than that, like, I thought it was pretty good. Um, Ryan Gosling was great. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for oh. uh, for Best Acting. He was good. George Clooney was George Clooney. Marissa Tomei is in it. Uh, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman. Paul Giamatti. Um, I would defi- definitely recommend it. It's not that long. I think it's only, like, an hour and, like, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not a long movie, but definitely worth a watch. Um, I also saw Bob Dylan's—I mean, not Bob Dylan's—Martin Scorsese's new Bob Dylan documentary, *Rolling Thunder Review*. Definitely don't watch this movie if you're not a fan of Bob Dylan. Huh. Like, I don't know if you are. Like, I'm do you not, like Bob Dylan? Too? I'm
1: not the biggest fan of Bob Dylan. I'm—I
0: don't know. I'm—I'm I'm lukewarm on Bob Dylan. If that makes any sense. Okay. Like I personally I love Bob Dylan so I really really enjoyed this documentary and I say the word documentary very loosely because while it technically is a documentary there is a lot of fiction added to this to kind of like pad the story um basically the documentary chronicles uh Bob Dylan's touring session of 1975 called the Rolling Thunder Review, which basically he went around the United States with a lot of different like performing acts. I don't want to say like a circus, but kind of like similar to a circus. And it's basically just two it's actually a 2 hours long, a 2 hour long documentary like chronicling like this time period in Bob Dylan's life and career. I thought mm-hmm. it was really well made, really well structured. Um, the fictional ele- elements I think just add to the movie and to like the Bob Dylan mythos in general. And I mean he's getting old. <laughs> he like, he's like he speaks a lot in the movie like in Present Day. And he's really old. How did by
1: like fictional like aspects, how did they do that? Like what exactly is it like okay. Bob Dylan like being interviewed like talking about stuff that just didn't happen and they're acting like it did or
0: okay, so there are characters who are being interviewed that didn't exist in real life.
1: Oh. So they got actors.
0: Yeah. So there are characters who are being interviewed and the interviewee is asking them questions and he is answering as if like he was there with Bob Dylan. Like, for example, off the top of my head, um, I don't remember his name in the movie, but mm-hmm. there's one guy who who basically talks about how he used to smoke cigarettes, mm-hmm. um, like European style, which is basically like um like you know Star Trek how they do the little peace sign, like yeah. Spock. Oh, yeah. uh, basically how he smoked his cigarettes like that. And then Bob Dylan saw him doing that. And then he started smoking it like that. But that guy like never existed in real life, apparently. Okay. Huh. So like stuff like that. Um, it's, it's interesting though, like, because you never really know what's real and what isn't. Now, if yeah. you're going in there and like w- expecting to watch a documentary where you want to sit down and be like, okay, I want to learn everything that happened in Bob Dylan's life in this time period you're going to have a bad time because you're not going to know what the hell happened and what didn't. Okay. But I I don't know. I think to me, it just made the documentary all the more interesting. It's on Netflix right now. It's just, it's just also like pretty long. So be like, be ready for that.
1: Hmm.
0: But now the one thing that I saw this week, and this is the last thing that I saw this week, obviously besides Stark Phoenix, that really, really, really blew me away. Now that we're talking about documentaries is free solo.
1: Oh yeah, you finally saw it?
0: Yeah, have you seen it?
1: I haven't seen it, but I've seen his interview on Joe Rogan. So
0: Oh he was on Joe Rogan?
1: Yeah. Wait, was it Joe Rogan? Yeah, I'm pretty
0: sure it was Joe Rogan that he was
1: on. Yeah. Okay. Well
0: this movie is incredible, man. It was I honestly was a little upset when it won the Oscar for Best Documentary, just because the two documentaries that I thought should have won weren't even nominated. Which were um, "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" and "They Shall Not Grow Old." Mm-hmm. But after watching this, I am one hundred percent on board with the Free Solo hype train. It was just incredible, man. The, the I don't even want to say the cinematography because I don't even think that that is like the right the right term, but the shots that they managed to get in this movie of him like climbing and. And like of his, his personal life, were just jaw dropping him climbing up uh, El Capitan. I, I don't even know, like, it was just so awe inspiring, honestly. It's motivating, the movies really, really motivating, honestly. It makes um,
1: you wonder, though, would they have released it if he died? <laughs> absolutely not, like, man, like, that's that. That's a very challenging documentary to, like, make, I feel, you know, ethically just because
0: this guy could have died. But that, I think that's one of, like, the good part, one of the best parts about the film is that it's not just a documentary about the life of a climber, of a free soloer. But in, like inside this documentary, there is a, th- a message about ethics in filming a documentary that i think a lot of people miss up that a lot of people miss um there's a lot of them talking like behind the scenes of hey like should we stop filming this like at the end of the day and he uh, he says it in the movie um alex who is the free soloer, he says it in the movie like hey me climbing this is way more important to me than me filming it yeah and they tell him they're like hey if you don't feel comfortable let us know we will stop filming you and um I know they have a lot of like the filmmakers have a lot of uh, conversation regarding hey, like, you know, we might watch someone die if, if he just so much as like slips once, because they say it a lot in the movie, he needs to do this perfectly to survive. Yeah. Um, and I thought it, it does a really interesting job of bringing up a lot of the ethics that come, that are involved in documentary filmmaking, especially when it's something, um, so dangerous. And life-threatening, um but other than that, like the actual like climb itself, like I don't think I've ever watched a movie where I knew the outcome, like the ending of the movie, but been so like tense. Mm-hmm. I was literally on the edge of my seat the in- the entire time, and this is definitely a movie that you have to see like in one sitting. Like I was talking to a friend last night, and I told him I was like, hey you need to watch free solo. I think, I think you like it. And he was like, yeah, I think I'll start it like tonight, like to go to sleep and then finish it like tomorrow morning. And I told him, I was like, do not do that. Like at all. You'll either won't fall asleep or like you will ruin the immersion for yourself. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I need to get It's it incredible. I'd say, honestly, it's, it's one of my favorite documentaries I've seen. And now that I think about it, I think 2018, was probably like the strongest year for documentaries that i can remember huh i mean yeah there was yeah, yeah there was a lot of good documentaries in 2018 thinking about it now just like three off the top of my head the one that i mentioned the ones that i mentioned earlier the um, won't you be my neighbor free solo and they shall not grow old those are all in my opinion like four and a half star movies maybe five stars yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, there was a lot. I mean, three identical strangers is another one that came out, and I don't even think that was nominated
0: for an Oscar. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that one's pretty crazy. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah. All right, well, those are that's everything I've seen this week. Uh, I know it's a lot, so I'm gonna let you. Go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have also seen I've seen a decent amount of movies this week. Uh, so just off the top of my head right now, before I get my list, I. Uh, yeah, I watched Chinatown, LA Confidential, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I had to do that for a, like a school project. I had to analyze those films, and uh, yeah, after rewatching Blade Runner twenty forty nine, that movie, like, God, that movie is a freaking masterpiece. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, it's like, really good. <laughs> Jesus, like, any first of all, the cinematography in that movie is amazing, and you could get a still of any shot in that movie and put it on a poster and frame it on your wall. So that movie is really good. I think, you know, the sequel, like it makes you appreciate the original blade runner a lot more. Uh, just because I remember watching, you know, the original blade runner and I didn't really like it. Then I saw it again and I didn't really like it. And then I saw it a third time and I was like, okay, like I clearly keep revisiting this movie because there's something in it that I don't know. It keeps bringing me back to it. I'm not gonna say I love the original Blade Runner, but there's a lot of things in that movie that I think, you know, 2049 answers and sets up very well. So, yeah, that's hmm. yeah, that movie's really freaking good. Yeah, like, it is.
0: <laughs> it's um, just really long. No, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's almost it's long. three hours. I think long is like the wrong word. Um, it's definitely like lengthy, but and I think like the slow pace, mm-hmm. uh, like definitely turns some people off, but it's so worth it. It's definitely a slow burn.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the director, man, I, I can't even really pronounce his name. Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. I um, think that's
0: how it's pronounced.
1: Yeah. He's coming out with Dune um, or he's making Dune now. And that just kind of makes me excited. Just because there's so many people in that movie.
0: Yeah, uh, I was going to say, have you seen the cast for Dune? Yeah, that cast is that's it, an all-star cast. <laughs> it may be the best cast I've ever seen in a movie. Maybe behind Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean okay, look, look, look. I'm going to read you the cast right now, okay? Go for it. For, I, for Dune. This is the cast for Dune. Timothy Chalamet. Rebecca Ferguson, Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård, Charlotte Rampling, Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, Jason Momoa. That's really it. I know that there's probably other people in there that I'm missing somewhere, but... Javier Bardem, did you say him? Yeah, Javier Bardem, yeah. yeah. that That is stacked. Maybe not so much on big names, but just talent-wise? Yeah. Like, that is huge. Now, personally, I think the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood cast is probably the best cast like ever assembled (laughs) but that's just me Uh, yeah so yeah blade
1: runner 2049 i think that's a movie like everyone should see i really liked it um la confidential i had never seen it either uh it's a good that's a good movie you know i've had several people tell me that that's like the best movie of the 90s um of the 90s yeah for LA Confidential, and I was like, oh, okay. And I gave it a watch. I mean, it's a good movie. But you know, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, detective noir film. So
0: best movie of the night. Ne- wow. That's a high praise. That's a very, very high praise.
1: Yeah. I don't uh, agree, but uh, yeah. So I-, I was told that by several people, and I was like, all right, I gotta watch this then. So I watched that. Um, it's pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's a very very good movie i would say and then you know i also saw chinatown uh with jack nicholson um i don't know how i feel about chinatown i think it's good but i think after watching this i've come to the realization that i'm not really a fan of jack nicholson as an actor
0: really yeah
1: i hmm, like and i feel bad saying that but I don't know. It's just something about his style that I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of. It's just... I mm. guess it's just not for me. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, Roman Polanski also directed Chinatown. So that
0: was a little weird watching that because, you know... I mean, you didn't feel that way when you were watching LA Confidential? Who did LA Confidential? I mean, Kevin Spacey's in it.
1: Yeah, yeah... Y- the thing is, is that like Kevin Spacey, I don't know, maybe because he's not in the movie a lot, but even then Polanski's not in the movie, he directed it. But I don't know. I guess yeah, with Kevin Spacey, true. it's just, it's a little weird, but at the same time, it's still, I don't know. But yeah, that is a good point.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> like personally, at least personally, like I was rewatching watching uh, Baby Driver like, maybe two weeks ago? hmm Every time, like, Kevin Spacey would come up, it would just, like, completely take me out of the movie. Like, it's so hard. It's just weird. Yeah. The same same thing I have with um, with Woody Allen, where I really do like some of Woody Allen's films. Um, he has, like, f- fucking, like, 50 million of them. But I really do like a few of them, but they just take you out of it and at the end of the day like I think that's the worst thing a movie can do when it reminds you that it's a movie unintentionally. If it's done yeah. intentionally, it's fine, but unintentionally yeah. it's really bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um I've also been watching some TV. I started watching Chernobyl.
0: I need Finally. to start watching
1: that. It's uh it's just very it's first of all it's really well made. It's also just disappointing watching it cuz it's like wow, like this this fucking sucks. Like a lot of people were screwed, you know, so I'm not done. I'm on the third episode now. It's five episodes. You know, I'm taking my time with it.
0: It's only five episodes. I thought it was I thought it was seven. No,
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure it's only five. Um, But yeah, it's good. It's probably one of the best things HBO has come out with in a while. Uh, it's not, you know, Game of Thrones. It's not any fantasy so, you know, it might be boring to some people because it's kind of, it's not slow, but it's more, it's get, at least from what I've seen, it's kind of just getting into the politics of what's going on with that whole, you know, nuclear reactor collapsing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see the rest of it. Also, I started watching Big Little Lies Season 2 because I had seen Season 1.
0: Uh, yeah, I remember you watching that. When did Season 1 come out? That was like two years ago, right? I think 2017, right? Yeah, I think 2017 it came out. Um, okay.
1: Yeah i I really liked season one. That was probably one of my favorite like one season shows ever. And when they announced that they were coming out with a second season, I was I, I wasn't too thrilled just because it's the show didn't seem like it needed a second season. But watching these first two episodes. They're doing a good job. This second season is justified. Uh, are they going to do a third season? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But I just really hope this is a show that HBO knows when to like
0: to cut it and not drag it on. So, mm, is it the same cast or is it like an anthology? No, it's the
1: same. It's the same cast, and it's basically deal. It's them dealing. With what happens at the end of season one. So. Mm, yeah. I see.
0: I have to watch season one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like this show is like the typical, like this show is just centered around white people problems and like extremely rich people. <laughs> like problems. that's, that's what the show centers around.
0: Like first world problems. It's oof, like real
1: first world problems. <laughs> but, uh, mm. yeah, it, it's fun to watch, you know, it's fun to watch. So. Yeah, that's all I've been really watching. You know, there's a lot of... Oh, I also saw Aladdin. I finally saw Aladdin. Uh, And I know you were not a fan of Aladdin at all. Nope. But I I called it mediocre. So that's all I could say about it.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough.
1: Will Smith is good, though. Will Smith was
0: good. I'd say he was probably, like, the best part of the movie.
1: You know, Jasmine and Aladdin, great chemistry. But everything else was just kind of, you know, it just, eh, it was the like there was nothing. There was nothing great about it. You know, I don't really know Disney could have justified, you know, remaking Aladdin. I don't think they could this. justify
0: remaking any of their animated movies, but. Uh, yeah, I would say this is better than Beauty and the Beast, though, in my opinion. Uh, I disagree. I think Beauty and the Beast is. Slightly, eh, actually, yeah. I'd say Beauty and the Beast is maybe slightly better, not by much, mm-hmm. but Aladdin is definitely worse. At least like Gaston was good in Beauty and the Beast, like in the, in Aladdin, like Jafar just sucks. Yeah, he's, a, they, he's just a terrible villain. They really <laughs> miscasted him, also one hundred
1: percent. But yeah, it's just I don't know. It just wasn't. It wasn't great. It's going to make ridiculous amounts of money like it al- already has. So, you know, Disney's just going to keep coming out with these sequels. Uh, yeah. But yeah, after watching this, I'm now starting to get concerned with the Lion King's remake. Mm-hmm. Me too. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. It's just the more I like, I'm, I'm looking into the Lion King, like the trailers and, you know, the little clips that they have of it the more i'm concerned that it's not going to be very good but i trust john favreau but at the same time like yeah we don't need these remakes at all this is just for money and you know i'm going to contribute to them making billions of dollars but yeah absolutely they're
0: not they're not necessary absolutely so i mean i can go off on the lion king but we're going to be here like another hour so how about we get into our film reviews on it run it okay what are we doing first x-men yeah let's just talk about x-men okay so here is our review on x-men dark phoenix okay you saw it right yeah you saw
1: part of it yeah i saw part of it i walked out of dark phoenix just because i walked out of like the 30 40 minute mark just because like (laughs) this movie was so bad like it was just to the point that Knowing the actors in this movie didn't want to be in this movie just turned me off completely. And I was like, okay, I I can't do
0: this. I'm done. And and that's fair. That's fair. I think it's a bad movie. I think it's it's terrible. However, I don't think it's as bad as the have as its Rotten Tomato score. Like, for example, it has a lower Rotten Tomato score than X-Men 3. And I don't don't know if it's worse than X-Men 3. I'd say it's probably just as bad. But I don't know if it's worse than X-Men 3. So, but, and I think you brought up a great point. With the actors in this movie, like, don't give a shit. (laughs) I'd say the only person who cares what he's doing is is Michael Fassbender and uh, James McAvoy. Mm -hmm. But I think this movie sets a, a bad precedent in at least in big hollywood blockbusters where if you don't want to be there like if the actors look like they don't want to be there i don't think the audience owes them any any um like favors in staying like jennifer lawrence you
1: she she does not want to be in that movie you Absolutely could
0: tell not. you could t- i could tell she didn't even want to be in apocalypse she was just kind of she just kind of did dark phoenix she was like hey put me in this shitty makeup let's get this makeup done in 15 minutes so i can just finish my scenes yeah basically like she did not she was not interested beast was not interested cyclops was not interested it was it was such a drag to watch because it felt like there was no life on screen i forgot jessica i forgot the character who jessica chaston was playing like 10 minutes into the movie just no one cared except for Michael Fassbender. And I'd say... Wait,
1: is this the first movie Jessica Chastain is in for X-Men? Is she like a new character? Okay, because I was going to say, I I don't know who the hell she is.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I'm not surprised that you didn't know who she is in the movie. So right now, I'm kind of rambling. I'm going all over the place. So let me try to start somewhere and finish somewhere. Let me start with the writing in this movie. Okay, so... X-Men Dark Phoenix is directed and written by the same people or person who who directed and wrote X-Men 3. Which, if you don't remember, X-Men 3 is basically X-Men 3 Dark Phoenix. So this guy basically wrote and directed the same movie twice. I don't know if you knew that. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah, they did a reboot on the Dark Phoenix.
0: Yeah. And, well, they fucked it up again. Um... And there's just so much in this movie that just doesn't really make sense. For example, why does Jean Grey get her phoenix powers in this movie if she used them to defeat Apocalypse in the prior X-Men movie? Like, the X-Men movie prior to this one? Huh. you get I I'm haven't saying?
1: seen. I haven't even seen Apocalypse. So okay. Well, in Apocalypse, yeah.
0: she uses the Phoenix powers to defeat Apocalypse. But in this movie, she gets her Phoenix powers.
1: Is is this like a prequel then?
0: I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not stated. It's definitely not a prequel. One hundred percent. It's not a prequel. No. Yeah, you're, it's not a prequel at all. No way they try to spin it because when she gets her Phoenix powers, it's like a, like maybe like a week span throughout the the rest of the movie. And there's no way in hell this is a prequel to Apocalypse because of how this movie ends, which I'll get to later. But there's just a lot of like a lot of writing choices that don't really make sense. Um, and I think one of the biggest ones is Jessica Chastain and her group of like alien misfits are like really bad villains. Like they serve no purpose. they were literally just exposition machines, basically just telling Jean Grey, like, "Hey, you have all this power. Why don't you like try to channel it? And if you can't channel it, I don't know, just give it to me." That's basically like all Jessica Chastain did in the movie, and it was just uninteresting. It was boring. Like the whole, the whole entire time I was watching this movie, I was just thinking. Okay, I wonder who they're gonna who Marvel's gonna cast for this character. I wonder who Marvel's gonna cast for this character. And it was just distracting. I guess knowing that this was the end of the X-Men saga. But yeah, then at the no same one time Yeah, but then at the end of the same time I'm, I'm sorry. At the same time you have Avengers Endgame, which is the end of the Infinity Saga, and obviously you know how invested we all were into that. Now, obviously it's different films. And um, different, like, levels of, like, of craftsmanship. I don't want to say craftsmanship because that makes it seem like the people on Dark Phoenix don't know what they're doing. And I don't want to shit on them like that. But it's just a different level of audience engagement. And you can definitely see that by, like, the level that the films are at. hmm I don't know if that really, like, makes sense.
1: I mean, yeah. Like, you could just tell. The quality is just... <laughs> Yeah, like the, like these it's, movies just—they don't suck, but they're just like, like, why? Why do they keep making these movies? Like, they're like, people aren't interested in them,
0: you know? Well, I mean, they're, it's done now. Like, it's over now. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have to worry about yeah. the X Men for like at least like three or four years. Yeah, it's it's just—it was just a mess. It was really a mess. I think the third act is probably the best part of the movie. Which you didn't see. But basically the third act is like a big train sequence fight. And um, all the important X-Men kind of have their opportunity to showcase their powers. Um, and I think that movie was like the shot of adrenaline that it needed to like make it a like not terrible movie. Like if that third act was worse, this movie would have been garbage. Garbage. But the third act was enjoyable at least. So... It kind of did save it at the end a little bit. But the rest of that movie was just so boring. Like it's just like who cares? And I think that's the biggest problem. Is that like no one no the actors don't give a shit. The writers don't give a shit. So why should I?
1: I wonder if this movie would have made more money had Disney not acquired Fox. Cause I feel like that is a big reason that a lot of people didn't even bother to show up just due to the fact that this movie doesn't mean anything. Like we'll see X-Men in a few years. They'll be part of the MCU. They'll be better. And it's like, why am I going to waste my time watching this movie?
0: Well, you know, this movie went under heavy reshoots, right? Like they had to re-film the entire like third act. Yeah. I heard that. Oh, I heard, I read that. I think
1: it was a Hollywood reporter variety was reporting that they were changing the script every day. Or yeah. rewriting the script every single day. Yeah, like, like
0: man. And the, well, you know what the original third act was supposed to be, right? No. Um, it was gonna be a scroll invasion. Oh you, yeah, you yeah, could, yeah, yeah. You could probably imagine why they changed it. Yeah. Um, and they were gonna have like some civil war aspects, like some Captain America civil war aspects, like amongst X Men, which you did kind of see, um, in this movie with Beast, like turning uh, Magneto side. Um, and now that I said that, I'm going to continue with spoilers for X Men: Dark Phoenix. Um, but honestly, like the movie isn't good enough, honestly, to care about spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, honestly, just listen, I guess. Um, where Beast like turns to Magneto side, so I could kind of see like some of the little like Civil War ideas like sprinkled in there that never really came to fruition. But the end of the movie was originally going to be like a big Skrull invasion, which. Apparently was even worse than the ending we got because they got laughed at in in um, test screenings. Jesus, that's yeah. I think now that we're talking about now that we're talking about spoilers, um, I think Mystique's death was terrible, was awful. It was super, super telegraphed. Um, it had no emotional impact because Jennifer Lawrence just does not care. care. She just didn't care. Um, you know, again, it was blatantly obvious from the very beginning, even from the trailers from before the movie came out. Everyone was just kind of like, "Yep, Mystique's dead. She's gonna die, and she dies like <laughs> cool. No one cares." Yeah, and and I think that's that's like a detriment to the movie because the whole time, like up until she died, I was just thinking, "Oh, does she die here? Oh no, does she die oh. here?" And just really, waiting for it to happen. Yeah, yeah, it was just like. It was weird. Like, they didn't explain anything about Jessica Chastain's character. Like, <laughs> Why? Like,
1: oh, God, these movies are just such a mess. I feel like so many superhero movies that aren't made by Marvel are just, they're just such a mess. Like, yeah.
0: like Cyclops has, like, an F-bomb in it that's, like, really weird. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it, but, like, it was really weird. Like, he, he says it and at least like theater that i was in like everyone just started laughing when he said it but it what he didn't say it like in a funny way he said it like in a really serious way but like the (laughs) delivery just was like just so like sudden and awkward like it was really it was weird
1: (laughs) it just Um, wasn't meant to be there
0: yeah it was just like like shocking like i don't want to say coming from cyclops i guess it was just shocking in general that it was just coming at all and i guess in context of the movie being so bad like it just made it funny yeah you know i mean damn. Yeah. i did think however S- sophie turner did pretty well like i don't think she was she was bad in it i think she, she was pretty damn good honestly yeah she was solid you could tell she actually uh, maybe
1: she actually cared
0: I think, yeah, I think, I think she was one of the the few people in this movie who actually cared, and I think this is just a theory. Um, I think it's because so many people shit on her acting in Game of Thrones that she's kind of like, hey, look, if I phone it in here, I may never shed this notion that I'm a bad actress. I don't think she's a bad actress. Yeah, neither do I. I used now in the early seasons of Game of Thrones, I did think she was wooden. But I really, really do think that as she has grown, her acting skills has have uh, really blossomed. And I do think she's a, she's a pretty decent actress. Um, She was definitely not the problem in Dark Phoenix. Um, I think Fassbender and James McAvoy were great in the movie. Again, they were—them two and Sophie Turner were the only people who cared. And I honestly am going to miss them in their roles. Man, but Fassbender, man, I've just—he's— he has just been in so many duds, man. Like, I think he just needs a better agent because he has the talent. I think he's one of the best actors in, in Hollywood right now. He just needs a better agent.
1: Like, damn, he has been in, man, Assassin's Creed. Let's not forget that masterpiece.
0: Um, Assassin's Men. Creed, X-Men, um, the, Snow the Snowman. Man. Oh, is, my God. Which is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um. But then again, he does have some really good movies. He's in Inglorious Bastards, uh Albeit yeah, Steve Jobs have, movie. He has a decent role in it. Yeah, he's in Steve Jobs. Um he's in Frank, which was a good movie. He was in the Macbeth uh remake mm-hmm. that came out. Yeah. Pretty good. Um he does have the Prometheus trilogy. That's right. W- yeah, he's good in that though. He's really good in it. It just sucks that the movies aren't. Hey man, they're not that bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah, it depends. At the least US. the new one I, I I think like the newest one was like the worst one. I liked it. I liked Alien Covenant. I mean whatever. Um, I mean those are my thoughts on, on X-Men Dark Phoenix. I mean I honestly would not recommend it unless you're kind of invested into this X Men franchise. And if you've seen the other ones, I mean just watch this. And then just go watch Logan right after to kinda of like clear your mind. Mm. Because I think Logan is, like, the perfect bookend, like, to the X-Men series. If you're starting, like, from the beginning, I think Logan is, like, the best way to end it.
1: Yeah. So, moving yeah, on from yeah. X-Men, I guess. Um, I saw Men in Black International. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't... Okay, so let me just give, like, my general thoughts. I guess this movie just doesn't do anything to, like, the Men in Black franchise. Um, You know, the first Men in Black is a good movie. It's interesting. It's funny just because, you know, it was an original idea. It was an interesting, you know, funny original idea. And, you know, the second Men in Black is not very good. The third Men in Black, okay, okay. Then we have Men in Black International. I liked, I liked Men in Black Theory, honestly. Yeah. But, man, th- this one is just not... Like, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Tessa Thompson, they're good. You know, they had chemistry from Thor. They have chemistry in this movie, but it's just... it's Like, this movie was just so unnecessary. And, you know, this movie also had a lot of script issues, like Dark Phoenix. Uh, it this movie was just boring. There was nothing, nothing interested me about this movie. Like there was points watching this movie where like, I didn't like, I don't know. Like I just, I didn't care. Like I I was questioning why I was in that theater watching it, you know? So yeah, just general thoughts. This movie is just not very good. It doesn't really do anything for the franchise. It shouldn't have been released. And it being a complete, you know, is it a bust at the box office? I wouldn't say that, but... I thought it was. It's going to make its money back, I think. But it's just a disappointment, you know? Um, Hmm. I don't really know what else to say on that.
0: (laughs) It's not not a movie where, like, that requires, like, an in-depth, like thesis, like it's to my I, I haven't seen it, but from what I've heard about the movie and from the reviews that I've read, um it doesn't seem like a movie that's it just feels like a normal Hollywood blockbuster, like, you know? Just one that didn't work out. It just didn't work yeah, it just it just didn't work out.
1: You know, and this I feel like with this plot and with this story, like, oh Men in Black International, we're gonna see, you know, the other headquarters of the Men in Black. We're gonna see, you know, how it works worldwide and you just don't really get that you know Hmm. and then when it comes to the to the background characters um background characters to the background of our main characters everything we know about these characters is because it's told to us basically you know you never you never really you never really feel a connection to any of these characters uh you know the acting isn't bad it's not bad acting but it's just this script is just not good, so you could only do so well.
0: <laughs> who wrote this movie? I'm going to see who wrote this. Was Would you say like the directing in the movie was, was a hindrance to it? Because F. Gary Gray isn't a bad director. He's not great, but he's not bad. He shouldn't have done this.
1: It's just... I don't know why he did this. It, it's just... I don't know like it just makes you wonder like why like why like I don't know it just wasn't the movie for him I would say okay Uh, based on like the other movies he's made yeah I just mm, I don't know
0: okay so it looks like the writers of this movie are um, a dual team Matt Holloway and Art Markham um, apparently they helped co-write Iron Man 1 okay not bad it's actually a pretty great movie Transformers, the last night.
1: Great movie.
0: <laughs> is that the last one? Uh, Not counting Bumblebee.
1: Think, think so. Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay, so yeah, Iron Man, Transformers, the last night, and uh, Men in Black, and they also have some lifted. Oh, Punisher, War Zone, which is I don't even remember this. Never even heard of that movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's, it's a Punisher movie. Yeah, no I idea. I do not remember this movie. Well, okay, he has those movies listed. So, but he was like they were like third writer listed on Iron Man. So, I'm going to go with the with the Transformers the last night being a more accurate representation of of, you know, their style of writing. However, Craig Mazin did write The Hangover 3 and Chernobyl. So, weird. So, you know, sometimes it's just not always the writer's fault. Yeah. Um, you know,
1: reading a h uh, you know, the Hollywood Reporter reading an article they have now saying that F Gary Gray nearly exited as producer Walter Parks attempted to remake the script on the fly while the studio tried to limit its own financial exposure. Okay, okay. so it looks
0: like the script was the problem then. Yeah. Uh, I guess like even going back to production, the script was the problem. I also read somewhere,
1: I don't know if it was The Hollywood Reporter, might have been, that um, Tessa Thompson and Hemsworth had to hire uh, dialogue writers or something like that. Or they they needed to hire like specific people to help them with the script because it was changing so much that they were just confused as to what was going on. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. So, yeah, this movie just isn't good. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly um, not. Y- you know, I remember a couple years ago when they were going to reboot Men in Black or not reboot it or have like a a 21 Jump Street Men in Black spin-off and that seemed daring, but at the same time it seemed like interesting and I was on board for that, but
0: Yeah, it sounds like a great idea if I'm being honest. And
1: yeah, they clearly, you know, dumped that and just made this instead. Uh, So, yeah, Men in Black International. I wouldn't suggest paying money to see this. Uh, You know, if you want to watch it at home when it comes out. But it just this isn't what Men in Black is about. I think also not having Will Smith in the movie really like just doesn't work well, because whenever I think of Men in Black, I associate it with Will Smith because, mm-hmm. you know, he's the main character. I would but argue
0: that Men in Black is what made Will Smith a superstar. Yeah, probably. When did that movie come out? 96? Uh, I think so.
1: It came out like in 96. So, yeah, I mean, that is what probably made him, you know, into, you know, Will Smith. But, yeah, this movie just isn't, it wasn't necessary. And it's just disappointing that Hollywood keeps putting out these half-assed, like, sequels and just cash grabs. It's like if you're going to do a sequel, just do it the proper way and make sure you have a competent script and just everything is everything's good to go so you don't have to constantly be rewriting it. Like, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> Jesus, True. man. True. Or just come out with original content. But I don't know. We live in a world where if it's not a superhero movie or a sequel or a reboot, no one's going to go see it according to Hollywood. So that's all I got to say.
0: Yep. Um, and any, any closing thoughts, any closing thoughts?
1: Um, no, just that this movie is not good and it's boring and (laughs) watch it if you want, but I don't suggest to watch
0: it. (laughs) Well, um, I think that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, stay tuned for next week. Uh, we're gonna be reviewing Toy Story Four. Finally, a good movie. Yeah, so. <laughs> which I'm really excited for. I'm watching it Friday. I don't know about you. I have to buy my tickets. I don't know what I'm gonna see it yet. I'm watching it Friday. I'm I'm really really excited for it. It's at hundred percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, you know, I wasn't. Uh, I would say that I wasn't excited for Toy Story Four, but seeing that the reviews, it's still at a hundred percent. All right. You know, they've clearly justified a sequel. So,
0: yep. Let's see. Clearly. Yeah. Um, and that's just about it. So, um, guys, tweet at us or email us what you think about the new segment um, and what you guys think we can improve on. Any uh, constructive criticism is good. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I think it's going to start being like a regular thing on the podcast. Um, just to kind of sh- like bring new films into like. In to the light of our audiences. Okay. All right. Catch us next week. Bye.